Welcome to Monday Musings on the Elliot Resnick Show. This past summer, I wrote an article on self-esteem that was published on our Rosheva. Last month, in a Sheikh Chabad newsletter, we published the article, and I'm told that it was a subject of fierce discussion on a private Labash women's online group last week. The modern world is obsessed with self-esteem. I began my article by noting that psychologist Abraham Maslow, who is partially responsible for inspiring the self-esteem movement, began having doubts about it in his later years. Why? Well, among other things, he observed in his research that people with high self-esteem, quote, were more apt to come late to appointments with the experimenter, to be less respectful, more casual, more forward, more condescending. Roy Jonathan Sachs shares this anecdote in one of his last books, and he adds that according to researchers Gene Twenge and W. Keith Campbell, the self-esteem movement, quote, has led to an epidemic of narcissism, and that narcissism causes almost all of the things that Americans hoped high self-esteem would prevent, including aggression, materialism, lack of caring for others, and shallow values. To that, I'll add that around 20 years ago, Roy Baumeister, who's a prominent social psychologist, examined all the academic evidence on self-esteem along with three other people at the behest of the American Psychological Society. They concluded, quote, we have found little to indicate that indiscriminately promoting self-esteem in today's children or adults just for being themselves offers society any compensatory benefits beyond the seductive pleasure it brings to those engaged in the exercise, end quote. Baumeister writes that academic research shows, quote, not only that self-esteem fails to accomplish what we had hoped, but also that it can backfire and contribute to some of the very problems it was thought to thwart. What's Baumeister's conclusion? Forget about self-esteem and invest in self-control. Now, my article, though, was actually not really about the scientific evidence on self-esteem, which from Jews are apparently very happy to ignore. It was about the Torah's opinion on self-esteem. And I argue that the Torah is firmly against possessing high self-esteem. And I don't really have to argue it. It's so obvious to anyone who knows anything about Torah. Classic Hebrew doesn't even have a word for self-esteem. And it's barely mentioned, if at all, in classic Torah literature. Shlomo HaMelech wrote a whole book with life advice. It's called Mishlei. Is self-esteem mentioned there? No, it's not. Chazal put together a whole book of wise sayings to live by. It's called Pirkei Avos. Is self-esteem mentioned there? No, it's not. Twice in Pirkei Avos, Chazal declared, concentrate on three things and you won't ever sin. Strangely, self-esteem is not among those three. Later, they teach that Torah is acquired with 48 things. 48. Now, surely among the 48, self-esteem must be there somewhere. Well, actually, it's not. What is among the 48, though? Humility and not letting your knowledge cause you to have an inflamed ego. Megis libo betamudo is in the original Hebrew. Elsewhere in Perkyavis, we're taught, if you have learned much Torah, do not claim credit for yourself, because for this purpose were you created. Amazingly, why shouldn't you be proud of yourself? You accomplished. Be proud of yourself. Have self-esteem. Perkyavis tells you not to. Very strange. It also states, be of exceedingly lowly spirit. Exceedingly lowly spirit? Yes, that's what it says. And as I write in my article, we actually say Shimon Esrei three times a day. Let my soul be dust to all. Abraham Joshua Heschel wrote, A religious man could never say, I am a good person, which everyone in the modern world says, I'm a good person, I'm a good person. Far from being satisfied with his conduct, he prays three times daily, Forgive us, our Father, for we have sinned. I know that sounds Christian, but you know what? That's in Shimon Esrei. That's what we say three times a day. My article was criticized on the Lubavitch group, so let me share two stories about the Lubavitch Rebbe. The first is well known. For an entire year following the passing of his father-in-law, the Lubavitch Rebbe refused to become the next Rebbe. Why? Where was his self-esteem? Didn't he know how smart and charismatic and righteous he was? 
Lubavitchers are very proud of the fact that the Rebbe refused to become Rebbe for an entire year following the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe's passing. I think they should be proud. Humble individuals are supposed to see themselves as unworthy of great honor and incapable of fulfilling great tasks to which they are called. That's why we have numerous stories of great tzaddikim refusing at first to accept important positions of authority. But if you believe that the Torah demands that we esteem ourselves and have high self-esteem, then the Rebbe and all these tzaddikim suffered from a serious character flaw. They all had low self-esteem. But that's a ridiculous and untenable conclusion. They did not suffer from character flaws. They were exactly the way Hashem wanted them to be. Here's the second story. I don't remember the exact details, but the story goes something like this. A man was asked to become a shochet, a ritual slaughterer, in a certain area, but he didn't want to take the job because he was nervous that he would make mistakes while shechting. The Rebbe told him there's no one better to take such a position than someone who is nervous about making mistakes. Very interesting, very clever answer. But notice what the Rebbe did not say. He didn't criticize a person for possessing low self-esteem. He actually implicitly praised the person for having low self-esteem. Now, I'm well aware of certain statements, and there aren't very many, but certain statements in Torah literature that seems to suggest that we should have a certain measure of self-esteem. The Gemara says, Bishvili nivraholam kulo, for me alone the whole world was created. Well, first of all, we're forgetting what Rashi says in that statement. Now, now Rashi is not the only commentator. There are other commentators too. But Rashi is the main one, so let's see what Rashi says. I'm just going to read from the article's translation. Well, first they start off with words in brackets. Since every man is the potential progenitor of the entire race, and end with the brackets, one must consider himself the equivalent of a world and consequently be careful not to bring about his own downfall by committing a transgression. So Rashi, according to Rashi, that statement has to do with not doing any Averos. If you keep that in mind, you won't ruin yourself by doing an Avera. Not a very positive, uplifting interpretation. So that's Rashi's explanation. But let's take the statement at face value the way other people take the statement, that we're supposed to think that for me alone the whole world was created. But why should we keep that in mind according to the standard interpretation that we all usually follow? Because if the whole world was created for me, wow, so I have a huge mission to fulfill. I have a huge responsibility. God created the whole world for me. There's something that I have to do, therefore. Not the whole world was created for me and therefore I pat myself on the back and go back to watching football. No, if the whole world was created for me, That means there's something that I am here for. I have a mission. There's a therefore. The self-esteem movement is not about a therefore. It's about I am great because I am great. Feel good about myself just to feel good about myself. It's an end unto itself. Judaism does not believe in feeling good about yourself as an end unto itself. So when the Alter Sobotka said man is great, yeah, man is great and therefore you you have to accomplish great things. Not man is great, therefore I should go around being proud of myself. No, man is great and therefore I have an awesome responsibility to do amazing things. It's always a means to an end. There's no value in Judaism thinking highly of yourself just for thinking highly of yourself. That's being self-centered. That's being haughty. That's being arrogant. We're supposed to avoid that at all costs. The Rambam writes that over all character traits, you're supposed to take the middle path, the middle road. There's only two for which you're not supposed to take the middle path. One is being angry. You're supposed to be an extremist and never get angry. And the other one is humility. You're supposed to be an extremist and be exceedingly humble. That's what the Rambam writes. Self-esteem is the very opposite of what a person should have if he's a firm Jew. And yet, all of our educators, they're constantly thinking, I need to instill self-esteem in children. I need to instill self-esteem in children. No, they already have plenty of self-esteem. And also, just think about it. I mean, again, in all of Torah literature, self-esteem is never mentioned. You would think it's not even a value, let alone the value, that teachers make it out to be. The value. They form curricula around instilling self-esteem in children. Imagine if they were thinking about Yerushimayim, every day, imagine they came to class thinking, how can I instill more Yerushimayim to my students? 
Or how can I instill more zerizos into my students? Or how can I instill more humility into my students? Imagine if that was their focus every single day. Instead of thinking about self-esteem, how can I make my kids feel more good about themselves? Imagine if they thought every single day, how can I make sure that my kids fear heaven more? How can I make sure that they are more humble, that they have more alacrity in fulfilling Hashem's mitzvahs? It would be a whole different ballgame. In their own minds, it would be a paradigm shift. I'm sorry for getting so passionate about the subject, but just I, I can't stand the amount of dishonesty that goes on here. Torah does not believe in self-esteem. Never has, never will. And no matter how much you want to twist it, people do like twisting it. Self-confidence. You know what? So talk about confidence then. Don't talk about, talk about self-esteem. Talk about confidence. Self-esteem is not part of our tradition. It's not part of our, any of our basic Torah texts. This is a secular value. It started in the 1960s. It started mainly with a student of Ayn Rand, Nathaniel Brandon, who are both moral sickos. And I happen to like Ayn Rand for various reasons. She's a capitalist. She was brilliant. But when it came to morality, she was a sicko. And her student was a sicko. And they both believed, in terms of general ethics, that you should think highly of yourself. She was once asked about, you know, in baseball, after baseball players hit a home run, they usually kind of trot around the bases in a very modest fashion. And she was once asked about that, and she thought that was evil. No, you shouldn't just trot around the bases as if it's not a big deal. If you hit a home run, you should be proud of yourself. That's what she said. And in general, as I mentioned, she was a sicko in terms of morality and having affairs and all that. These people are not people we should model ourselves after. The self-esteem movement started in the 1960s. It didn't start in Yushalayim in the year 25 or something. It started in America in the 1960s. And if you know anything about America in the 1960s, you should be extremely suspicious of anything that started then. So again, I apologize for being so passionate about this, but self-esteem is not something we should promote at all. There might be select cases where someone needs to be propped up a little bit, not saying it doesn't have its place ever, but as a general rule, for us to be encouraged to think highly of ourselves? For us to pat ourselves on the back? No, not at all. Rav Cook writes that there's a mitzvah in the Torah that's come to the base of English once every seven years, and we say to Hashem, I basically gave all the master that I was supposed to give. So you are slightly patting yourself on the back. And Rav Cook says there is a time and place for that. Once in every seven years, you give yourself a mild pat on the back and say, I did all I was supposed to do. But as a general rule, no, we're not supposed to be like that at all.